Pumped up to talk to you and Dominic and Sue in 2009. I think his defensive season is one of the best seasons I've ever seen from a college football player. And guess what? It almost didn't happen. He almost went home and left Nebraska. Uh, we'll talk about his pro career, moving on, some of the quarterbacks he's played with and against, and stuff he's doing off the field as well, and life advice. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. $5 doesn't get you what it used to get you. I asked for change the other day. The guy gave me back four. Introducing Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps. In your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. Ever heard of it? You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I'm excited to talk to Indomitian Sue, 13 years in the league. We're kind of waiting on where that, that next season will be. And I know he's been asked about it a million times, five-time All-Pro. Uh, I actually first met you, I don't know that you would remember, but Van Pelt and I were doing the radio show down in Miami in 2010 for the Super Bowl when you were waiting to be drafted. And there was all sorts of rain, so you had to like come indoors and hang out with us, and, and you were with your group. And it was just fun, you know, because everybody knew Scott at that time. And I just got done watching you have this incredible season at Nebraska. It's just, it's crazy to think, yeah, here we are 13 plus years later, I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of things have changed. Yeah, a lot of things have changed. Big family now. And uh, yeah, back in 2010, it had been Russ Spielman, my sister. And I think I was, I know I was down there for one of my best friends. I was actually playing in that Super Bowl, um, Cody Glenn from uh, playing for the Indianapolis Colts. So definitely enjoyed my time down there, except for uh, they lost that Super Bowl, unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was a good week. It was my first Super Bowl down there with the show. So probably, probably a better week for you, though. Um, coming up on this year, because I know you've been talking about it nonstop, anyone that I've known that's played in the league, you're basically in the dream scenario, right? Like, hey, let me know when camp's over and I'll see you guys week one. Is that fair to say that that's the timeline for you? Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, I was on NFL Network the other day doing some media stuff, which was fun and exciting on NFL Total Access. But long story short, I had made that comment and actually got some phone calls off of that comment and said, hey, we're interested in you, no rush, uh, but we're looking at taking some visits or wanting you to take some, a visit in and whatnot. So it's super interesting to see that uh, I'm lucky enough to not have to go through camp, but they uh, know my track record of always being ready for week one and beyond. Is camp that bad? Is it? Is it like some of my friends will tell me straight up it's pointless, and I'll be like, "Look, I, I get that as the non-player, you don't want to hear my perspective. There has to be some point. You couldn't just have every guy just show up." But yeah, it. <laughs> go ahead. For sure, for sure. No, I, I think there's value in camp, uh, especially as a young buck. You've got to understand the rules and the regulations and how things kind of come together. But for a guy my age and the mileage that I've been going through, I'm like, I never come out of games. Like even if I'm at camp, I'm in a reserve role where I'm just basically just standing there and sitting and watching most of the time. And unless we're in joint practices, like that's where the last maybe two or three seasons that I was in joint practices with teams, my coach would be like, Hey, you're going to have it easy not worried about you but when we go to joint practices i need to show out and then i'll give you all the rest in the world so it's like you go out there you get a clip glance glance no just like everybody knows you have that third preseason game you got to show out for a half of half the game or a quarter of a game and then you get the rest of the time off and prepare for the real game so 
for me at this stage of my career, uh, it's definitely nice to not have to go to camp, but be able to roll right in. And I've always told people, there's only so many ways you can play three technique. So, yeah, uh, I know you're not going to tell me, you're not going to tell me, but what, what goes into the decision? Like, it's clear you're going to play this year. Uh, clearly there'd be a lot of interest, but what are the things that you're weighing? What are the things that you're talking to yourself, talking to close people about, okay, this is what I think I'll do week one. Uh, that first conversation comes with the wife, um, truly, truthfully, just understanding where she feels. And it always gets spun back to me as like, it's hundred percent your decision. I'm happy with whatever you do. Uh, so once we go through that conversation, the next conversation is typically with my, uh, performance director. Uh, I got Keith super close. We've been together now 13 years, uh, 13 off seasons. And I mean, he's, he's family. So talk about everything under the sun and really that conversation comes down to like one physically how do you feel um and we're prepared for everything he can create a plan for any scenario whether it's mid-season week one uh, or going into camp uh we have programs and have gone through all of it so it's we're prepared to do that and so i rely heavily on him from that aspect and i'm ready at all times and just make sure i'm in tip-top shape and uh I, honestly i feel a ton better when i went into that season last year halfway through with philly like i'm looking at everybody running around i'm like a spring chicken out there in practice having fun so it's it's i think i i i enjoyed it it was tough from a transition with my kids just because they were like so used to seeing dad 24 7 365 at home uh outside of me going to the gym and working on the mornings which they're used to um but yeah, it's tough for them from that standpoint. So that that's where I have reservations around my kids. There is a cool factor to it, though, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just think of it like, all right, we got him. And he lands, <laughs> shows up to the facility, and you're like, all right, let's see what we can do in the next four months. Like, I don't know if that entails moving the family to an apartment in the home city forever where you play, or you just say, hey, I'll be back in maybe February if, if things go right. But there's a there's almost this mercenary approach to it that is, I don't know, from the outside, it feels kind of cool. Like, hey, Sue's here. Yeah, you said it perfectly. It's 100% a mercenary uh, mindset. Think of myself as an elite SEAL, six, SEAL, six, uh, SEAL Team 6 member that swoops in. We got four months to knock this out, go get this ring. Uh, because that's what everybody plays for. You want to be a champion. And I, I've tasted it once and have been there two other times and unfortunately not gotten uh, that ring. So would love to have an opportunity to do that again. And especially with my boys, like now that they really like understand what football is and every time they see something that resembles football on TV, they're like, dad, dad, dad. And it's like, yes, but that's not everything dad's about. <laughs> so. Yeah, you've been on a hot streak, though. You're picking the right teams, uh, at least getting to Super Bowls and then, yeah, getting that one in Tampa. So it's safe to say, though, that there's there's a cut list where it's like, you guys, like, you know, I'm probably not going there. Yeah, there's a cut list, but, I mean, it's any given Sunday. Uh, and I think that's why even you look at Philly last year and they were set up perfectly from a standpoint of having a hot season, uh, first hot first hot half of the first season, uh, first of the year. And then you turn around, they lose a couple games. They bring in some pieces to have injuries, all these different things. But then you look to turn around and see the 49ers uh, in the same year, they look like they were in shambles the entire year and then put it together. I think they ended up like 13 and three. And then of course we had to put them out of their misery and then NFC championship and move on to the Super Bowl. <laughs> When you're playing against a team that doesn't have a quarterback in the NFC Championship game, what are you talking about when you go to the sidelines? Uh, so, I mean, I have full respect for for that offense and everything that they create. That's a nice uh, thing to say. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes, putting their quarterback out uh, and then seeing their backup quarterback, it's like, how many sacks can we get as a defensive line uh, nonstop? Uh, even we really, before the start of the game, I was like, we feel that we're in a great position that we can attack this quarterback. And really I've played against the 49ers. It seems like majority of my career and a, a similar type of offense that they have. And when I was in LA playing against them twice, like I know they want to run the ball first and foremost. And if they can't run the football and get the ball out to their elite players like Christian McCaffrey and Debo, 
I mean, you put the quarterback, uh, make the game be on the quarterback. It's, it's, you're going to have fun and, and be able to get there and, and create havoc and make big plays. And that's what we did. I didn't know who Jalen Hurts would be. I think going into this year, there were even some question marks. And then to see this switch go off. And I know, you know, you haven't been there the whole time with him, but you've been around a while. Was there a moment? Was there something that happened with him or maybe even some of you guys on your side of the football were like, okay, we may have a guy here in Hurts? Yeah, 100%. Um, I would say first and foremost, as me coming in as a newcomer halfway through the year, but just seeing him work and work in silence, which I love because I'm the same exact way. I'm, I'm a natural introvert. I love going into the office and I love going into the, to the, whatever you want to particular call it in the weight room and just diving into that particular space. And then you also watch him study and the way he walks around with his book and he interacts with the other teammates and then having to get the opportunity to talk to him uh, in a lot of ways, being in that locker room and not just about football, but also businesses and different endeavors that I knew was coming down the pipeline, uh, which I'm excited. He made a good decision, which the world, the rest of the world will find out here soon. It is, he is very in tuned and he's a tireless worker, which you can, you put that together with his athletic abilities that obviously everybody sees and saw for him to get drafted where he got drafted. Like he's, got the perfect mixture to be an elite quarterback for many, many years. And uh, Philly should be excited. I know this is a pretty like straightforward question. So it's, it's not like all that. Oh my gosh, this is such an amazing question. But I do like talking to guys like you that are so accomplished. You come in top pick. Is there anything about the game that surprised you? Was, was there anything about your career where, and I know a default for a lot of guys is like, oh, you learn it's a business. And I'm always kind of like, no shit. <laughs> like you already knew that going into it. Um, but was there, was there any moment of like how your career went that was surprising to you now as we head towards the end? Uh, I think the biggest thing that I would say that was surprising to me was the turnover, uh, even at the elite level of guys uh and from a standpoint of saying like just because you have a name and you can play at a high level doesn't mean that you're going to always be afforded a job and i think it's about those relationships and being able to understand really where the league kind of wants to grow as as a whole from i came into this to the uh to the league and there was probably i'd say 50 50 and four three three four systems and you look at now there's way more of that hybrid three four system and then on you go to third down um to where that particular piece is more of uh, a four-man rushing so looking at it from that perspective of a uh, of yes it's a business but there's these different relationships of seeing how people grow and there's like you look Chris Kasurik at the 49ers. There's a certain brand of ball that they love to run and play. Look at, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank, Jim, Jim Schwartz, that he's now with the DC for the, uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Like there's a brand of football and that grows with guys. And you see all these different trees. Um, Sean McVay, they come from the Washington uh, commander's tree and how all that kind of comes together with their brand of football. And so, uh, if you don't fit into those different pieces and can't find ways to be uh, elite in either system, which I pride myself on, I can play in a three, four system and I can play a four, three system. You throw me anywhere. I'm going to be able to produce. Not every single athlete has that ability to be successful in that particular space. And so that's something that was eye opening to me to where it's, you look at the NBA, it's a little bit of the reverse they build the system around their particular players. Football, it's built around the coaching and how they look at things. And then they fit in the pieces from there and go find the guys that they want. And really, hey, he, he fits my system perfectly. I'm going to go poach him from over here. That was a great answer. That was really good. I, I learned something on that. I go back to that 2009 season you had in Nebraska. I think it's one of the single most dominant seasons I've ever seen from a college football player. Uh, I was in awe watching. I just started working on game day for the radio side of it at ESPN. And we'd have all the monitors up and I'd be like, make sure we get on, get one on, on Sue. Just cause I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching you destroy every plan after the snap. And I have to act like, 
at some point it must have been easy for you. Like, it, did it feel, did college football feel like almost too easy for you in that final season? Uh, first and foremost, thank you. But I wouldn't say it was easy uh, just because there was a lot of hard work. And I'll give a, a huge amount of credit to uh, Bo Pelini, his brother, Carl Pelini, because Bo was the one when he came to Nebraska and that coaching change was like, like you're 10 times better than uh, the, I can't remember the D tackle that he had at LSU that had just got drafted his first round before uh, Dorsey. Glenn Dorsey. Yeah, Glenn Dorsey. And it's like, you're 10 times better than him, more athletic. And I can, you, I just need you to commit to the, like the way I want to do things and how I want to run a defense. And I was like, I don't know, I'm going to probably go back home to, to Oregon State and be comfortable at home. And something told me, and after talking to my parents, it's like, nah, let's not do that. Let me just stick this out. And there's a reason why I chose Nebraska. And so I decided to stay. And then through that off season, uh, and then going into the 08 season, I had torn my ACL in winter conditioning. And so I could practice spring ball. I didn't do camp, didn't do anything, which I owe Mark Meyer a ton of credit. Who was the athletic trainer there at the time. It's like, he was a, he came from the league. He was with the Raiders with Callahan and all that. So he's like, I'm going to make sure you're fit and ready to go when, when it's time for week one, but you just have to trust me on this particular piece. And so I said, cool, I'm good from an athletic perspective and getting healthy, but how am I going to really, get immersed into this new system and I can't even practice. Well, Carl put me, pulled me to the side. who was our DC at the time and our D line coach. And I would just sit in his office and just learn every single position outside of my own position, how everything fit together. And so once I did that, that opened my eyes up to where I could find ways to cheat and feet in the system. And Carl was like, I will never be mad at you if you cheat. But if you don't make the play, I'm going to dog cuss you out. And I was like, perfect. So I took that time, that whole offseason, being out, physically couldn't do anything, learned the game mentally from a whole different perspective. And that's where it was. It became easy because I can anticipate things and I could digest offenses and understand where my help was on the back end from safety or linebacker positions, and especially in the run game, but let alone in the pass game. And I just find ways to cheat and coach. Coach Carl was like, you're out of your gap, but I can't say anything to you because you made the play. <laughs> so you were going to leave. Yeah, I, I almost did. I was on the verge. I, I was homesick, uh, super close to my older sister, super close to my parents. And they would come, and it was dear, but it was during that 08 turmoil where like, you had the world was upside down. Uh, my dad had his own business, so he was struggling. My mom was a teacher, which decent salary and everything from that standpoint. My mom, my sister had just moved home from school, tough finding a job, obviously in that time frame. her just leaving. Uh, and she had two degrees from Mississippi state. So she should have easily found a job, but it was just that time of the year, just like the pandemic for lack of better words. And so I was like, man, I just got to find a way to get to the NFL. And so that, my whole goal was to take that one season and then to have the best year and then be off into the NFL because I had had some, early gradings that said, Hey, even though you're coming off an injury, you could be a late first round or early second round. And I was like, I looked at all the other D tackles. And I was like, I can beat those guys out. And the top guy was BJ Raji going, who ended up going to um, the green Bay Packers. And I was like, I'm more talented than him. Like comparing. And I had just had Adam character at my side. who was a first round pick who had just went to the St. Louis Rams. So it's like, I can do this. I just got to put my mind to it and get rid of this injuries, uh, this injury phase and whatnot. So that's kind of where I was at. I know some of the backstory about your sister, who's an athlete and you know, it's easy to forget going back and looking at your recruiting history. Like you were a four star, you were, you were on the radar, but it, it wasn't, you know, the guy that left Nebraska was a different guy that entered Nebraska. What's your favorite recruiting story? from that time, whether landing there or someplace you thought you were going to go, it didn't go. Uh, my favorite recruiting story, I'd probably say I have two. Um, one, the late Blake, uh, John Blake, um, who was the head coach for Oklahoma. And then he was a D-line coach with Callahan at Nebraska with me. Uh, he always came in as like, man, you're my freak. You're my number one guy. you got to come to Nebraska. And he would literally come to every single basketball game, football game throughout my entire senior year and just building a relationship with my family. And he was super close with one of my 
my coaches and he's like the uncle to me, uh, uncle Joe. And then, so I had a great time just getting to know him and through that recruiting process. And funny enough, my sister was actually at, he was at Mississippi state and my sister's boyfriend at the time was playing football for him at Mississippi state before he left and went to Nebraska. And she was like, you have to check out my little brother. So he knew about me like three or four years before he actually started recruiting, recruiting me because my sister had said something to him. And I, I'd, I'd go down there in the summer uh, and spend like two or three weeks with her. Uh, so it was just a full, it was like, it shows you how small the world is from that standpoint. Um, and then I'd probably say the second story would be, I went to university of Miami. I had the time of my life. Like I was in coconut grove, eating steaks, having so much fun, went out to the nightclubs, all these different things. And after I woke up that next Sunday morning to fly home, I was like, I am not going to school here. <laughs> I will have way too much fun. This is not the place for me. <laughs> this is a boring follow-up, uh, but I guess I just already had on my... How late were you playing soccer in high school? Uh, I stopped playing in eighth grade. Uh, okay. And so that was kind of like the turning tables for me because I'd never played football. So I played football for the first time in eighth grade uh, because I got in a little trouble being too physical, getting a bunch of red cards, playing soccer in, in, uh, in club soccer. So I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm done with soccer. Hurt my dad's heart because my dad played professionally overseas and he wanted me to go to boarding school and go be a professional, potentially messy. That would be his dream. Of, uh, of of me as a, from an athletic perspective, so I played uh, Pop Warner eighth grade. I was wanting to go and play in high school, but my mom said absolutely not. Like school first, so I bit the bullet. Couldn't play uh, my freshman year. She let me play basketball. Her rule was if you get a three pointer uh, a three pointer better with your grades, then you can play any sport. So that was my test first semester, so I could go play basketball during the winter. So I did that. So came back my sophomore year, and she let me play football, and just really fell in love with it from that standpoint. And I, I had a good experience in eighth grade because we we ended up winning state uh, in Pop Warner, and it was like. I got praise for just bullying kids. <laughs> the, the red card is probably not shocking uh, for, for the audience here a little bit. I've watched a bunch of your interviews and I can see you both get annoyed when you're asked about some of the stuff in your early part of your career while the host is also sort of afraid to ask about it. Yeah. Lines and all this stuff. I, I can already see the look on your face like, oh, cool. You're going to bring up personal fouls. I want to ask it this way. What's the most pissed off another player has been after something? pissed off towards me yeah yeah uh usually they've started it and i've just finished it so they they had it coming for them all right quick answer on that one um the other thing i liked uh, about your stories i know you're doing a ton of stuff off the field and when we met you years ago this is something you even brought up um and I, I don't know if with lumber prices, if, if you're worried about the general contractor vision, but I know you're getting involved in some of the real estate stuff with the foundation. So I find it really interesting because I think from a very early age, this is something you've been talking about. Like every one of your interviews always kind of has this layer of, of you thinking about the bigger picture, which you know, I think is rare when you're still playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I've always known sports I've loved, but it's going to come to an end at some point in time. And I've been super, super fortunate and blessed to be able to get 13 years out of the league, potentially 14 or 15, and just see where things land. But I've always had this passion to, even before I even knew that I could go play professional football, was to go back and build an organization with my dad. That's obviously changed. Uh, I, I actually purchased his mechanical uh, company and it sits under an umbrella that I have. And so instead of me joining forces with him, I just acquired his company and we just work together now. Um, and is it, by the way, is that ever tough? I mean, it's, you're, you're not just going to cut your dad a check, you, even though it'd be really nice, but like, is it weird yeah, to have him sort of report to you? So he doesn't really, we don't really run it that from that okay, perspective right, in reporting right. to me, it's still a subsidiary of the overall, uh, goals of what we're trying to create and whatnot. And so he still manages and operates it, but I just put 
basically jet fuel on top of it. So he can run and operate it and, and have more jobs just as, instead of it being a smaller company from that perspective. And so that's how I kind of look at things. And, and that's how I like working with friends and family. Cause I don't, I've been fortunate enough to obviously make good money uh, through sports and, and have really smart people around me, got great mentors to help me invest where I don't have to work, but I have desire to work till I'm 55, 60. And so that's where I'm focused on real estate and development. And to your point about lumber prices, uh, it is very, very tough right now in this day and age. Your lumber prices have come back down, but general contracting and construction is is not cheap in this day and age. And I think one of the biggest things why we're struggling as, as, a, as a country in, in housing is we just don't have the focus to want to be able to build it at a very, uh, in a, one, an efficient way uh, and in a fast way that we can get it done. There's multiple ways that we can. There's just so much red tape that, unfortunately, our reg- legislation in different areas put in front of us. But I think there's some exciting things that I'm, I'm going to get focused on, which I'm looking forward to working with some uh, previous owners, companies. Um, and you could probably figure that one out pretty easily. Uh, but I think affordable housing is a big, big space uh, for us to get into. Uh, I don't think it is easy. So I, you were you were vague about the Hertz thing. I've heard you be vague about some of this. Can you, <laughs> I assume you don't want to tell me if you're being vague, but I can't guess correctly right now. So I'm trying to help the audience out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Stephen Ross uh, and his related group. Uh, and one of the main reasons why I actually went down to play for Miami outside of having an opportunity to help that uh, group grow uh, as, a, as an organization for the Dolphins, I wanted to learn. Uh, from the related team. And I told them, I was like, uh, as much as I want to stay in, in Detroit, but they just couldn't match or exceed uh, from a, a monetary standpoint and, and helping my family. I told them, I was like, I'll come and sign here. But at the same time, I want to learn from your organization, how you got to where you are from a real estate perspective, because that's always been a big passion of mine. And maybe a lot of people don't know, but people see the related group and all the things that they've done, the big flashy stuff, Hudson Yards in New York and building all that, those, all those city blocks and that little city inside a city. But they're started off of the backbone of, uh, of affordable housing and has created a tremendous, a lot of success. And there's some fun projects here in Portland. I'm looking forward to hopefully having an opportunity to partner with them more. When you talk to a Stephen Ross, right? And you say, hey, these are the other things I'm interested in. Like, thanks for making me the highest paid defensive player in NFL history, but I'm serious about this other stuff. Do you think that other person takes you as serious as you want them to take you in that moment? Because I think a lot of guys talk the talk and then the guys with that kind of money have heard it all before and like, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. What allows you to break through in a way that other people don't? So just like you said, I think the NFL and the shield and your personality can, and your, your bright shining star will get you into the door. But one thing I pride myself on is my follow through. Uh, and I, I think he said a hundred percent, I'm happy to, uh, you're, you're, you look, seem excited about it, but it's going to be on you to follow through as an individual. So I was the one who made sure I followed through. I got myself up to New York and I sat there for a week, two weeks, and learned from not only himself, but his CEO, his COO, and understanding everything from top to bottom. Met with a ton of different people within that organization just to learn and see how they build their companies and how they make decisions in those deals. And so people can always afford you things, but it's up to you to walk through those doors and actually embrace it and, and gain that knowledge. couple football things on the way out. Yep. When, you know, you had Stafford early and then, you know, Tannehill in Miami and then Goff with the Rams, but then you get to Tampa with Brady. And then, granted, I know it's not your side of the ball. You're not in those meetings, but, but what's the day to day like when you think you have somebody that can kind of put the cape on every Sunday for you? What, what is it like in the building for all of the teammates when you feel like you kind of have a superhero at that position? I would say from my viewpoint, it's you guys got guys that really start to believe that they can be successful versus when you have a Tannehill or uh, a Jameis Winston who haven't really fully developed uh, from their initial start into the NFL that 
all right, it's like they got to start to see a spark here and there and be a little bit more consistent. You already know what's established with this particular player. Um, and now it's all about just putting the pieces together and having that, for lack of better words, that continuity to say, this is how we need to execute. And can we maintain this and grow at the same time? So when I, I having the season of going from Seamus Winston to Tom Brady, it was saying, all right, now we have the pieces of the puzzle. How do we put it all together and how do we all function? And how does everybody fit into this to be successful? And really on the defense side of the ball, we had all those pieces with Jameis and we were dominant. We just were tired because most of the time we had turnovers, we had different things. So we had to deal with different aspects of that, even though Jameis was, had light year numbers, but the turnover battle, if you can't win that, you're not going to win most games. Okay. Last one is Mahomes the toughest quarterback you faced in your career. Ooh, no. Um, as much as I don't like him, uh, I will give credit to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, when he's on point, he is very difficult to stop. Uh, I would also say Brady is the same, playing against him majority of my career, especially when I was down in Miami. Uh, when those guys are on point, they can almost eliminate a defensive front uh, and c- create seven on seven, which is not fun for us. And then I've played against... Um, Peyton uh, a couple times. So I would give him credit from that aspect. And I'm trying to think of one other person that I would say is in that elite status, uh, Philip Rivers. Uh, and it's fun to play against him because he's a, a great, excuse my language, shit talker. Uh, but he can, he, can, he can hurt you. But the one thing with him, he usually gives you an opportunity to get back at him at some point in time uh, throughout the game. He usually has a, one mistake in there uh, that you can potentially take advantage of. Is the Rodgers thing just the divisional rivalry or is there more to that? Because that seemed to be pretty succinct. Uh, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say it had anything to do with the divisional rivalry, to be honest with you. I think uh, it happens to do with the previous incidents, but m- more so for me uh, is when we've had conversations on the field and basically trying to, squ- uh, to squash it, and I, I give you an olive branch and you're afraid to take it. I mean, there's nothing more to say there. <laughs> the last word then uh, <laughs> will, be, will be on this. Uh, Alberta Alley, the project, it kind of launches this fall, correct? So anything else? Because I, I, I've just always found it really interesting, obviously the building part of it too, um, with you, knowing you, you had this plan. You had this plan that was kind of parallel to the main plan and, and you're pulling it off. So any more information you can share with us on that for the listeners? Yeah, Alberta Alley here back in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's been a passion project of mine. Uh, and it, it stems from wanting to, one, go away and then come back and bring fun, exciting concepts and different ideas back to Portland and, and the neighborhood that I grew up in. So I grew up five blocks away from Alberta Alley at my dad's house all through high school. And that was a street when I was growing up, you would never walk down in the middle of the night. But now I want people to be able to come and all night there enjoy yourself and uh, obviously it's a great eatery and i think there's going to be uh, an amazing staple for that city uh, or for that part of town uh, in alberta the alberta uh, street district well congrats on that and we all look forward to week one wherever it is <laughs> awesome i look forward to it and appreciate your time this episode is supported by state farm so look a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options, protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and 
even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. All right, let's get right into it. Problem with a girlfriend. Five, 11 and three quarters. Wow, he's really a stickler. 180, 22, bench 245. Future Harvey Specter. Anybody get that? Harvey what? Specter. Mm, Phil Specter is the only Specter I know. It's the guy from Before Suits. I haven't seen Suits, so no. Okay. Maybe we look that up. Hey, guys, usually I can handle my own issues, but needed the big guns for this one because I'm not sure what I should think about it. Me and my girlfriend have known each other for seven years, going back to a youth group I used to go to in early high school. So they met when they were 15. Tried dating her a couple of times. She's not very mature, never dated before, so it didn't work out. So we met again, visiting hometown. We'll leave that out. Uh, middle of my freshman year, I was in college. She dated for six months before she transferred to a different school um, where we did long distance to present day. All right, so let me just get this straight again here. So they met again, visiting their hometown in the middle of his freshman year, dated for six months, um, and then she transferred to another school. So I don't know if they were in the same school together. I, it sounds like he came home, they saw each other, whatever. So um, he goes, basically, we did long distance to now present day doing long distance. She comes from a strict overly close Catholic family. At first, we had a hard time with that since she lives with her parents and she moved back to our hometown. But we finally agreed to keep the relationship between us like mature adults. We grew close and got more intimate along the way, but she always had a hard time with the romancy stuff when we weren't in the same town. Oh, okay. Over the last month, we were going through the longest time from seeing each other, and it was bugging me that she was basically just a friend when... Uh, of a long distance friend. So I brought it up. She flipped out and told me she doesn't like feeling pressure to do things she's not comfortable with and hangs up. I thought like every other tough conversation, we take another breather and then talk about it. But instead she went to her dad when upset with me while I'm watching TV, waiting to talk. She texts me. I'm in trouble. Attach short message thread. What should I do? Am I in the wrong? Should I be worried? All right. Well, let's see what these texts say. Oh man. You're living in sin. Well, I mean, this is a, 
All right. So this is from her. Cut it out. I'm trying my best. I'm seeing you this weekend. Please cut me some slack. I'm going to bed. I have a big exam. Some support and love coming from my boyfriend would be nice. I'm sorry you're not getting sexy text or calls 24-7. I know exactly how this went. It's not your fault, dude. Mm, Well, there, there needs to be something said at some point, but let's just get through all this. I have things going on. You know, I've made it clear that I miss you, but I told you there's a line I'm comfortable with downstairs talking then he says okay call me if you need to love you and then still up then she says yes not going well and then he goes are you going to want to call and talk tonight she says no you're in trouble to the boyfriend (laughs) um then he says what does that mean doesn't hear from her okay i'm going to go to bed i love you hope we could talk tomorrow she says meaning everyone's ticked at what you made me do and have been asking for Uh, so then he says, is there anything you want me to do? I'm confused what's going on. I just got off the game and got ready for bed. Then he asks her again. And then she says, I had some long conversations, thoughts about it. I don't feel comfortable. Dude, can we even read this one? (laughs) I think so. I mean, why not? I mean, nothing, nobody's business is out there except for this person with a conservative family. I don't know. Yeah, but I just, for the audience, as you're listening to this, like it goes without saying that there's certain things that, you know, you shouldn't be, if the other person isn't comfortable, you shouldn't be asking for these things. Uh, it sounds like he wants some pics because it's long distance. Right. That's pretty clear. And she's not into that. So guess what? If she's not into it. Don't keep fucking asking. Dad? But then she told her dad, right? But then she told her dad. But she said, sorry, you don't get them all the time. Now, I think it's really important to focus in on the phrasing here because she says all the time, which means he's probably got one that he's been clinging to for three months. And he was just like, God, I just want to spice it up a little bit. Can I get a different one? That's what I'm thinking. I don't think it's crazy. I don't think he's like trying to get her to do something she's never done before. I think uh, he's just like, you know, I can't. I can't look at this wall again. I got to look at a new wall. You know what I mean? Like, I got to. We're good now. We understand what you're saying. Okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) No, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean? All right. Um, Everyone agreed with me and was very upset for me. I have a big day today. I need to be focused. We can talk tomorrow, but I'm not sure what else there is to say. Um, Yeah, dude. Like, look, maybe you're totally out of line, right? Maybe you're totally out of line. If she's telling she's not into doing this stuff, then you kind of have to. Yeah. That's it. There's not really no. any other part of the conversation. No, no. I'm not talking about breaking up. Like if you care about oh. the person, if you care about the other person's feelings and you're asking them to do something they don't feel comfortable with, it's pretty fucking simple math. You just stop asking them because you should care more about the person than that kind of stuff. The dad part of it isn't great. Like, I don't know how you're going to go back into that house. Like, let's just say straight up. She was like, you know, my boyfriend, what's wrong, honey? Oh, my boyfriend's just annoyed. I'm not sending him more nudes. Like, you're <laughs> not, that's not going to happen. Like, I'd break up before I'd ever walk into that fucking house. Yeah, again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you have to break up. Yeah, I just want to be up. sensitive to the idea that there's going to be part of the audience is going to be like, he's totally out of line, fuck him and all that stuff. And there's a he very is, real yeah. possibility that is what is happening here. But I think to be fair to how we treat all of the stuff, there also could be, you know, like the relationship could still work out. She's annoyed with him. Um, but I don't know how you walk it. I don't know how you look at that dad again because you guys are so young, too. You know, you got to break. Yeah, up. I'm taking no one side here. Uh, just put that out there real quick. Um, but yeah, I don't you know, maybe you have, you know, thicker skin. You could take it and deal with the awkward nature but the whole family knowing not even just the dad like she said her whole family is mad at you i i man i'm like a married 34 year old dude and i'm would you get divorced my in-laws i don't know that i would be comfortable <laughs> having that conversation with my I don't know if your marriage would stand up after that <laughs> uh, uh, honestly i don't know i don't know what rational male survives this i mean there's obviously the irrational guy it's like fuck it i don't care <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry, you yeah, know? it's yeah. super horny that night. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Catholic girls are tough. I think. Uh, I think you. This is just what happened. Like, if you're, if they're like for real Catholics or just like you know Catholic in name only. Um, no, he said it's pretty intense. And look, yeah. man, that's that's they met it. Like, like a, Catholic like, is a tough one. It's like the hardest one. It's kind of the hardest one. 
except for maybe oh, like tougher ones. Latter-day Saints. So. Yeah, Latter-day Saints. Well, I mean, I'm saying if you're well, let's into not it, see you know what I mean? Let's okay. not say because I don't sure? think we know. Sure, that could I be just... fun. Seems like a summer thing. All right. Uh, but I, it's not It's not only the fact. I think that, A, she definitely did this before because she said, I'm sorry, you don't get them all the time. Kyle so I don't keeps going that, back to that. I to don't avoid, think. Right, right. Which is smart. I don't think this is him, like, you know, shooting something into the atmosphere. Like, this isn't like new, a new. Like, nudes now. Is, yeah. This isn't yeah, this isn't a new thing, I don't think. I think he's just like, you know, God, this would be great if this was my version of a great weekend of just getting an, one of these to hold me over for another three months. Who knows? But the th- the bigger issue is that she would throw him under the bus to her dad. This is for other this is just like in, in relationship stuff. Like you should be able to work shit out, you know, with with each other instead of being like every time you're you know, you're pissed or or whatever. You just go say something that's totally going to change the way her family looks at you. She didn't mm-hmm. give you a choice in that matter. That's now like if you choose to. I mean, there's several reasons I would have broken up with her, but I think, I think this one is like, what else is this going to happen? Like she's going to, you know, perhaps irreversibly change your, you know, the way you're looked at by strangers that are always going to be team her first. And this is just one thing. And this is like a super uncomfortable one. Like what happens when you get into a, like an argument and say some like mean shit to her. You know, what, what is she going to call and be like? And then he said this because she just wants somebody to be on her side. Like this is this is a very bad sign for other things. If you're like you're, you know, and you're yeah, two years into college. Right. Get the fuck out. You're you've already you know, this is a loss. This is a loss. Dump the stock and and and, <laughs> and do something else. This is you know, this this is Wabistics at the end here. You got to go. So I think I think this is especially with your age, you should really just there's, there's a bunch of red flags and you should just get out. What if he really loves her, though, dude, you know? Then she's no. uh, this okay. dad is going to hate you maybe forever. Mm. Right. Just a heads what up. Else? And what else is she gonna daughter. do this for? Right. Yeah. yeah, it's easy to say, like, hey, I don't, you know, uh, screw this girl. Like she told her dad this thing, but like you actually really like her. It's not it's not as easy to just walk away. Uh clearly there were some issues with this relationship. I think And you might if, get dumped, by the way. So, which might you know, be the best thing for you. Right. I mean, honestly, <laughs> maybe that's just the easiest way. You're the guy that gets dumped. You can move on. Okay. I think we handled that one all right. Because I just know that there's an element of that scenario. No, where... we covered all the bases. Yeah. Right. Bummer. You don't think Catholics are top three difficult Christianity? <laughs> not like. Oh, I thought you were talking just all religions. Oh, yeah. no, I just meant for the for the Christians. Oh, I thought Christian you meant all faith. religions. Are yeah, we I on the air that. now or are we not? <laughs> Why yeah. wouldn't we be? We're still on? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Next Calcium email here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, here we go. My name. What? Most people don't start this way. All right. right. He gives us his name. We don't need it. I'm 5'10", 155, 33 years old, NBA comp, 33-year-old me, Sean Livingston. 23-year-old me, D. Rose. Injuries have taken a toll, but it's all good. I've noticed a pattern here. Like when people aren't as good as they used to be, they say like Boris Diaw all the time. Sean Livingston's another one too, where it's like, do you know how sick Sean Livingston actually was? By the way, before the injury, he was going to be ridiculous. But Boris Diaw was also incredible when Boris Diaw was good. And he was one of the most unique basketball players in the league. So just because you don't run baseline to baseline you throw a couple passes yeah maybe and a you're a little bigger. out of shape <laughs> yeah like it doesn't fucking make you boris Diaw. so stop with the boris Diaw comps we've seen too many of them boris Diaw is a special player when he was good there's a really good chance you don't see the court the way boris Diaw does but guys are like oh top of the key a couple entry passes boris Diaw. stop fucking yeah. comparing right. yourself to boris Diaw. yeah i feel like right. uh i feel like kyle go. anderson's another one too. <laughs> like kyle that? anderson anyone who's like not a super great yeah athlete, yeah you're like yeah right right, yeah. right. But do you realize you how good Kyle Anderson is? <laughs> you just kind of do every... Well, look, the point of it all is is that all NBA comps, if we wanted to be super strict about it, they'd be dumb mm-hmm. because nobody's as good as the NBA players or whatever. Um, but there are a couple go-tos where it's like, oh, I set a screen and I pass a little bit. And then it's like, you're, you're Kyle Anderson? Boris Diaw was the one that was really starting to bother me, though. All right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he lives in... God, he gives us every single thing here. What's your social security, bro? Yeah, right. I live in the East. I work for a corporate company. Uh, I work in the IT. Now he wants to get vague. Let's say I work in the IT department. My group (laughs) consists of associates. One supervisor, male. Let's call him Mike. 
Who knows? Could be the names. One manager, female, let's call her Felicia, and then some directors and executive staff above in our division. With an annual performance reviews uh, coming up, I submit mine by the deadline of July 21st. However, my supervisor sends an email out a few days later that say they extended the deadline to August 4th. So I ask my review back to add some details and a few things that I thought of after I submitted it. My supervisor's response after sending it back was, I sent it back to you. I erased my comments on your comments so you can change it around. I will make an observation. There are a lot of I and me in your review. A little humility goes a long way. <laughs> Rough. I think I'd rather have the dad mad at me for nudes. Um, now, this obviously fired me up because what a weird statement to make about a review that is titled Annual Self-Performance Review. <laughs> Correct. Where we were supposed to talk about what we've accomplished and where we've gone above and beyond. I consider myself an absolute team player, understanding the needs of businesses, always volunteering to help out and assist others. You don't. I, you may be right, and we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You don't often say, I help no one. <laughs> I am all about me all the time. Unless it's an NBA trade demand. Uh, how would you guys respond? Also important to note, my supervisor is retiring this year, late 50s, early 60s. Maybe it is about you, dude. You don't need your supervisor's exact age. Late 50s, early 60s, just kidding. Uh, he's been mailing it in for at least the last five years. He's extremely negative, always absent in the field, brings very little to the table when it comes to assisting growing the group. Another important note, I copy-pasted my review into a Word doc and search highlighted every time I used I, me, and we. I used I 15 times, me zero times, and we 14 times. Love the pot. Yeah, all right. yeah that's, that's annoying. You know what? And it sounds like... This feels a little strict with me, but when he says there's a lot of I and me and then me comes up on the word doc count zero times, like fuck him, right? He probably read I a couple times early on. That's why in these reviews, you should we them to death a bit in the beginning, because if you have three I sentences starting the first paragraph, then he that's the first impression. Just like meeting somebody in person, his first impression with you on your review is you said I maybe a couple times at the beginning. Then he decided to stop evaluating altogether, right? He'd already made up his mind. And if the scattering report is accurate, they're giving us, that's a mail it in move, right? He said that exact sentence many times. Right. (laughs) Right. So I wouldn't go to anybody else. I I would wee him a bit more in the beginning. I mean, you said he's retiring. So what are we really talking about here? I, I think you're totally justified in being pissed about it. And, you know, it's it's weird that he would already give you that shitty feedback that soon. Now, of course, there's also another version of this where perhaps you're the worst, but, you know, <laughs> you emailed us. He didn't. So we'll stay with this. I wouldn't get too upset about this. It is this kind of thing is unavoidable in the corporate world. It's going to happen to you again, likely multiple times. There's going to be somebody that is over you that there's just this disconnect and you cannot fathom how they became the way they became. And we don't need their origin stories and all that stuff. This is unavoidable, especially when it's the person who already has one foot out the door. I'm surprised he put that much effort in it. I mean, he may not like you, he may, but as you mentioned, if he's out of the picture soon and you're happy with where you're at, this might be a funny story at happy hour a few years from now. And then there's going to be two other guys that say he did the Holy exact shit. same thing right. to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Th- that's what I don't understand, though, is if this guy's so lazy and doesn't give a shit, why would he care about giving you feedback early on this thing? Just give it back to you, like mail it in. Like I, he's he's I don't know. He's He's going out of his way to be a dick, which the only time people do that is that maybe he's just a huge asshole or he just doesn't Bitter like old guy um I, it just doesn't doesn't add up like he's creating more work for himself by giving you that first initial feedback like what does he care just delete all this stuff and send it back to you or say no if he doesn't really want to do anything so i, I i'm, I'm kind of confused by that i don't know he could be an old you know an old guy who's just like these fucking kids these fucking kids in my day and he's just like you know giving you a parting shot i guess i don't know i mean i think i don't give i personally don't give a fuck and this is a little weird because uh, the guy who looks at my personal reviews is actually also in this recording, <laughs> but my shit is all about I. Like that's what my that's what my shit is. It's me. What's the point? That's what I'm. I'm eyeing the fuck out of that thing. I'm I'm dotting my eyes. I I'm like my my. It's all it's all. This is what I did. This is how fast I could do it. This is how much I've been doing. This is how I feel like I've grown. It's who the, who what what am I, am I supposed to do? 
talking and most about of the people me. that are that are doing the, the week they're full of shit anyway like if yeah. i had to do performance reviews would i say we had a great interview with Tracy mcgrady we did no. this amazing open on running backs where we all felt good about the fucking work like that'd be stupid you know right. and yeah. sarudi would think it was stupid for me doing it that way what i would say is we have done these things together and these are the things i feel really good about so much of this stuff is so fucking pointless and you know even though i don't feel like like i knew very early on i didn't want the corporate thing even though i certainly was a part of it being at espn for 15 years it was very very corporate like there was a lot of that stuff where it was like we're just on air but it can be the same type of job this stuff is unavoidable and I think the best advice is to not even get that upset about it because it doesn't sound like there's anything like if this guy were going to be your direct reporter only five years older and you hated him and you loved the place, you love where you live, you, everybody was happy, but you were just concerned you were latching yourself to somebody for 10 years, I would look at it differently, but you're not. And, you know, that kind of feedback, he's probably used that feedback so many different times. He yeah. read the John Maxwell thing during a layover, didn't finish the book, <laughs> saw one thing, was like, oh, I'm going to start using that. Because a lot of the corporate types, too, that have nothing else to offer, because clearly there are plenty of people that have a lot to offer. The ones that have nothing to offer are just finding a way to fucking survive. And they want to look good in that meeting, in that setting. They want to seem like they have a purpose. Yeah. And that's probably what he did to you. Like, I am leaving. I don't do much here. Let me just fucking tell this young kid, you probably did something that he didn't like at some point for him to be this negative where he thinks like he's still aware I'm here. I'm going to do something to him to make sure that he's still aware. And uh, there are so many times I can go back over my career at all the different places where there was these things that were said to me where I go, that fucking thing had nothing to do with who I was, what I was or wasn't doing at that time. That was only about the other person across the desk feeling like they were relevant or trying to make it seem like they were relevant. And all all it was was a massive waste of time. Correct. Well, it, it kind of makes me think of you know, like the we, the the I, me, we thing is like it's like when after like in a post game interview, like, you know, say some quarterback throws like 500 yards and five touchdowns and the you know sideline reporter after the game is like, hey, you know, like, how'd you how'd you get it done? How, you know, you were incredible today. And they're like, well, you know, the weapons and you know, the, the final score is like 45, 44 defense didn't do anything. So, well, you know, defense got us to stop and the quarterback completely doesn't take any of like the the actual like, you know, hey, I'm fucking awesome. And I did this. And without me, like we wouldn't have won the game. And sometimes I get annoyed about that because I'm like, hey, man, like you, like you're Patrick Mahomes, or you're Joe Burrow, like you're the fucking dude. I know why you have to have a little bit of humility. But if you're literally writing about yourself in like a private setting to your boss, you should be talking about yourself. You should be saying, I'm fucking awesome. I'm the man. Here's what I brought to the table. So this guy, not only is he just like obviously mailing it in, he's just a shitty, but he doesn't understand how the process even works. So that that pisses me off. I'm the more I think about this, the more. Well, manager Saruti getting heated. I, yeah, well, <laughs> Kyle, if you I mean, Kyle, no, like if you were to put in the thing, like, hey, you know, you know, we did all this, we did that. I'm like, no, Kyle, you did this stuff. Like, take credit for it. Like you you worked. You know, that's that's that, that's the point. Right. I'm trying to figure out like how much you know, how much uh, stuff people bring to the table and what they do brag about it. So I don't know. I, I, I kind of hate it. Right. Because because when their managers talking weaknesses, they're not like we all kind of have to make sure. We yeah, come you in have time. to figure this they're out. Like, you better show the fuck up <laughs> at nine yeah. o'clock. Like, it's not we got to do better or we don't get our pizza party. It's you. You do it or you're not getting it. You know, you're not pizza getting that percent raise. Yeah. Take email. Uh, yeah, I remember somebody telling me, like, oh, well, on Mike and Mike, we did this. I'm like, you know who did that? Mike and Mike. Correct. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct. All right. Uh, and good right. luck to the corporate people out there. Yeah. Godspeed. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve. Ryan Russell, the podcast. Ryan Russell.
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 